Pros in the know start with Lowe's because Lowe's makes it easy to save big on building materials to finish any job. Need to stock up on water heaters? Save 5% on select A.O. Smith water heaters when you buy three or more of the same model. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. While supplies last, credit offer subject to credit approval can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply U.S. only. You know a good relationship only really because you've been in bad ones. Mm. And I've had, I've tried to adjust myself to other people, you know, tone the little boldness down, be this person. And which, of <laughs> course, make the relationship doomed for failure. Somebody else is dealing with whatever I've dealt with, dealing with the real deal with. And that's why mm-hmm. I went through a lot. Welcome to Define You. Class is now in session. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Define You Radio. I am your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace, lifestyle designer and boldness coach. I am so excited about today's show because it very much is in tune with my message and what I believe. But before we get into all that, It is August 3rd, a new month, and as the Find You movement evolves, so will the show, the natural progression of things. So I'm starting a new segment. Of course, I still will do the quote of the week. But we're going to do listener shout-outs because Define You is all about you. So with that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to listener Nicole B., who inboxed me and commended me on inspiring her every week and said she loves my delivery style. So, Nicole, if you're listening, good luck on that thing you inboxed me about. Make sure you let me know how it goes. So if you guys are interested in letting me know what you think about the show, questions, comments, please connect with me on Facebook or go to my website, www.ValenciaGWallace.com. So let's get into the show's topic for this week, how to stop settling. And I know that resonated with a lot of you guys. It even resonated with my husband who asked me, what does settling mean to me? Now, of course, I wasn't prepared. Normally, he just asked me the show topic and move on. But I explained to him, settling to me means being somewhere that you know you're not supposed to be. It's like that old story about the dog sitting on the nail and howling and howling. And a neighbor asked the dog's owner, what's wrong with the And the owner says, well, he's sitting on a nail. And the neighbor says, well, common sense, why doesn't he just get off the nail? And the dog's owner says, because it doesn't bother him enough yet. That's what settling is. So are you still sitting on a nail? Are you settling, getting comfortable? You got your pillow, your blanket, your computer, your phone, and you're still stuck settling on that nail. So I want you guys to think about that and think about how in your life you have settled. With that being said, I want you guys to give a big define you welcome to our special guest, Miss Stephanie. Miss Stephanie, are you with us tonight? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me, Valencia? I hear you perfectly, perfectly. Yay, I am so excited to have you on and to talk about this topic. But before we get into the meat of settling, why don't you tell the <laughs> audience a little bit about Miss Stephanie? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I am so excited to share with you and your audience tonight. So I want to give a big shout-out to you, first of all. Um, and having the space for me to share my message. <laughs> and I wanted to share, 
Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm um, I'm a life and love coach. I'm also a business consultant and an author. I have my own coaching company called Cultivated Sense. Um, it's all about promoting ordinary ways to live extraordinarily. And the primary focus is encouraging people to stop settling in life and in love. I'm also a love coach and matchmaker with the Paul Brunson Agency. Um, the agency has won multiple awards. It's a boutique matchmaking and lifestyle coaching firm. I'm a two-time best-selling author. I uh, had two books published earlier this year. They were a compilation series. And I'm working on my third all by myself about um, the 42% of black women who are unmarried. So mm. my yeah, that's another. That's a whole nother show. <laughs> I was thinking the same, the same thing. Hopefully, we get a chance to touch, just touch on that. But go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. my legal background is in law. I was. I'm a. I call myself a recovering lawyer, um, and oh. I've, I've transitioned to coaching full time. And I've just recently moved to Portland, Oregon. And I'm actually getting married in 24 days. <laughs> Yay! Congratulations. So, so you're no longer in that 42 percent. I'm then. still testing in it because 20... still, yeah, yeah. I'm still unmarried right today, but as of the 27th, I will not be. Wow! I'm I'm writing that statistic down. That is that's a whole other um, show, and that's very. Interesting, very interesting. So you're definitely on a roll and not settling in 2016. So congratulations on everything you have going on. Thank you so much. Yay, I'm excited for you. Marriage is beautiful. When you you don't settle, love is beautiful. So let me ask you this, Miss Stephanie, and you guys know I'm from Louisiana. I'm in Louisiana, so I tend to say miss and ma'am and y'all and all those things, but, you know, I have that Louisiana swag in my voice, so we'll just roll (laughs) with it. (laughs) That's fine. That's perfect. (laughs) Okay, so let me ask you, was there a defining moment that you realized that you were settling and you deserved better? Definitely. Um... I would like to think that I uh, had that realization on my own, but I had a little outside nudging. <laughs> um, I was in D.C., and on the outside, everything looked great. On paper, you know, I had a good job in an economy where not a lot of people were getting jobs. I got one. So I was really thankful for that. I just wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. Um And I also didn't want to disappoint people, namely my parents, my colleagues. I was, you know, comparing my LinkedIn account to theirs. So um, one day I got into an argument with my then boyfriend, and he was upset because he said I was smothering him. And I didn't really know what he meant by that, so I kept digging a little bit further. And he finally just got so upset, and he said, Stephanie, you need to get a life. And I <laughs> I was mad, but he was right. <laughs> so after getting over the anger, I started to think about what he had said. I need to get a life. And I realized that my life had melded into his. My mm. friends were his friends. My goals were his. And I where, where was Stephanie? What did Stephanie like? I liked what he liked. I wanted to do what he wanted to do. So I went and I, I, I literally just sat down in my kitchen and I made a list. On a piece of paper, I wrote a T. And on one side, I wrote all the things that I really like to do. And I got really sad because I realized I hadn't been doing those things for a very long time. And on the other side, I wrote the things that I didn't like doing. And I found that I was very sad because I was doing a lot of those things. And to be really honest, it wasn't just things that I was doing, not just activities on my job. It was also people that were in my life. And I began to question that. Why are we even friends? What is the basis 
of our friendship. Um, you know, so I vowed then and there that day to do more of the stuff that I love and to see more of the people that I love and less of the people and things that I did. So one of the first wow. things I did was um, there was a concert in Baltimore. And I always, I love Jay-Z. So I went to the concert by myself. I just bought a ticket and I went. Baltimore is about 45 minutes away. Uh, and I met up with some friends there. But that was the most fun I had had in a really, really, really long time. I have a picture. I show some of my clients sometimes. I have a picture. I'm so ridiculously happy. It was a Justin Timberlake and um, Jay-Z concert. And I was just singing and belting out the words. And that was one moment. That, I would say the Get a Life comment and that Jay-Z concert was probably the defining moment when I realized I was settling. Wow. That, I, I love that. That is, I love when you said you, you took, you did a list and you took a, a vow and then you went into action to change that. And a lot of times people will realize internally, they know, they don't, sometimes we can't put a finger on it, but we know that this is not all there is to life. Right. But you had the sense of mind, well, A, your ex-boyfriend was, I'm sure that was a moment where you said, what? You know, there was a, uh, a meme I saw on Facebook a while ago when a woman says, what? She's giving you a chance to correct the statement you made. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I know that was like a what or excuse me moment. And like yeah. you said, you, you get mad. It's kind of like that that slap in the face you see on cartoons and movies when people are trying to wake somebody up. They slap them, yeah. and, you know, nobody wants to be slapped, but sometimes verbal a verbal slap almost like that is what's needed to make you really realize this is, this is not it. This is not the business. This is, this is not. And I mm -hmm. love that you said his comment and the Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake concert was, you know, was that defining, okay, this is, this is it. So in, in your words, because I know what, what settling is to me, because I can look at different points in my life when I have settled in both life and relationships. So what is settling to you? I loved your definition. Um, in my in my own words, I describe it as kind of living life on autopilot. So you know, in a car or in a plane, you're just you got the gears set. You're laying back and you're not taking any control. You have no agency. You're not creating anything. You're just letting it take you wherever. And you're not necessarily interested in the final destination. You're not interested in the ride. You're kind of just there. Um, I've heard my, my clients say stuff like, you know, I'm, I'm just coasting. I'm just kind of going day to day. And when I know for myself, it was just I was not fully living. I was like living half of a life. I wasn't fully present for the moments that I actually did show up for. So, you know, it was kind of like, well, you know, what day, was, what day is it today? I've been doing the same thing. I'm kind of like, you know, going from happy hour to happy hour, brunch to brunch, um, you know, friend to friend, reality TV show to reality, <laughs> reality TV show. Right. And just not being fully present in my life. And the, sure. the last part, like you said, is that you're just super comfortable. You know that you're destined for more. You know you're not supposed to be here. You know that there's something better on the other side, you're just comfortable. you just settled in and you don't want to take the risk. You want to stay safe and secure where you are. And that's, I think that is part of the problem is that we get comfortable. It's, you know, and I wrote because I, you know, this is classes in session and I take notes like I'm, you know, because I'm in class too. And I wrote a note. It's like driving a stick shift on neutral. Yes. And you're not going to go. And if, if any of you guys ever 
have driven a stick shift, as long as you're on a flat road, you're in neutral, you're, you're, you're not going anywhere, you don't even have to have it in, you know, it's been a while since I've driven one. It was horrific, I, something I never want to experience again, because at that time I lived in Atlanta, and me and those hills did not get along. But, oh my <laughs> yes, ma'am. But it's it's like you're you're not moving. You're just not doing anything. It's like you're comfortable in your bed, but you know you need to get up. But that bed is so comfortable. So why get up? And now at at this point in my life, I just realized. I'm telling you, as I came into you know us doing this show, I really kind of. I didn't do my tea, but I really thought about, okay, Valencia, let's really look at some stuff. And one of the things that I've been on and off, as most women and men can relate to, is that extra 10, 15 pounds that crept up <laughs> and we're yeah. playing with. Yep. And so I had a kind of reality check the other day because I got on a scale that was not mine. Because mine, I knew it was off, but I didn't care because the numbers were still good. (laughs) (laughs) So I got on a scale that was not mine. And I was like, oh, no, I got to shut shop down. (laughs) Valencia, you know, because, no, we're not going to do this. Because as you get older, it's harder to not settle in certain things and settle in, you know, and I didn't want to settle because I wasn't comfortable. If I was comfortable with my weight, that's fine and good. But I knew that 10, 15 had crept up on, and today on Facebook I put, I blame my husband because I call it marriage (laughs) weight. And I've only been, you know, we got married last year, but I blame him, so it works. But um, (laughs) so the last couple of days I've, you know, I've been on a mission since I, I mean, I went directly into action, been counting calories, downloaded all kind of apps, and stuff, and, you know, I got to get it moving. And a lot of times mm-hmm. people get get settled and complain about it and do nothing. And why do you think that is? Why do you think people just settle in, in life and in love? I think because it's easy to. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about the work that it takes to lose those pounds, right? It's easier to blame somebody else <laughs> instead of responsibility and action for yourself, right? That actually right. means you've got to get out of the comfortable bed, put on your tennis shoes, count the calories, download the app. You know, when you're doing those things, it's actually not that much work, but facing the, um, just facing that reality that you will have to do work it, it seems like, you know, a, an uphill battle for a lot of people. Um, I also think a lot of people don't really want to confront themselves because part of settling and then moving out from settling to, you know, out your passion or living extraordinarily is that part of yourself has to go away. And I've talked about this before. I've used the word death, right? Part of you has to die. And it seems really extreme, but there is part of you that will never come back, right? Like you losing weight, you're losing those pounds. You're shedding a portion of yourself. And I think that's really scary for some people. They don't really want to confront that. The other thing I see a lot is that people are just scared. Even if, even if they know it's easy or they know they have to confront themselves, the fear of facing that risk involved. You got you can know that you're settling and know you're destined for more, but facing that unknown, man, some people avoid uncertainty like the plague. <laughs> you know, they want wow. to know they want to take control of everything that's going on. They don't want to you know, I had a client that that you know, I want to know what's gonna happen. If I choose this, I want to know what the outcome is gonna be. If I leave him I want to know that I'll be okay and I can find another love. If I, you know, change careers, I want to know that I'll be successful. And facing that uncertainty is very, very scary for a lot of people. So, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say 
that that is one hundred percent um a hundred and fifty percent true and the the funny thing is with me losing weight years ago nine maybe ten years ago I lost a total of like eighty pounds and periodically I'll post the pictures of me before so if I look at that huge picture ten years ago versus the the ten fifteen that that I want to drop now. Um, that crept back on within the last year or so. And um, it's like that's such a, it's like a drop in the bucket compared to what I did. And me settling all this time knowing is like, okay, well, I always gain more weight during the winter because I'm in Louisiana. We have gumbo and all kind of wintery goodness going on for that short period (laughs) of time we do have winter. So I'm like, for years I will gain wait during the winter and lose it by my birthday or by, you know, before summer. I lose it around February and March. This year was different. So my excuses in my head, well, Valencia, you're getting older. So it's, right. so your body's not going to do what it did. So I'm constantly making excuses, making excuses, and my scale, I'm blaming a scale I know, just, Blaming other stuff. <laughs> and the fact that my scale comforted me in my settling didn't help yeah. the situation either. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely and didn't you know, help. You know what's funny, too, is that, you know, we're quick to take the responsibility when it's good stuff, right? So you even mm-hmm. said, I lost 80 pounds, um, you know, 10 years ago. You did that. But the per- but but the per- who was the person who gained ten pounds? <laughs> who did that? Who did that? <laughs> you know that's that's my um that's my <laughs> defining weight moment just now. That's my slap, Valencia. Yeah. Okay, you and that's one that's true. I never thought about it like that because I I like you said I took the credit for what I did nineteen years ago, but now it's. It's everybody else's fault. I'm serious. It's everybody else's yeah. fault, <laughs> but mine. Yeah. So I, I guess that's definitely a, a <laughs> tip to to stop settling, not settling, to realize you're settling when you're pointing the the finger. And yeah. um, I'm serious. I'm gonna have to, you know, go talk. You know, have a personal talk with myself about that one because I still, I'm serious still. Looking at whose fault it is, but mine. <laughs> Somebody yeah, just yeah. inboxed me and put it's the gumbo, so you know they're from <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> See, the enablers—they're enabling, enabling me. <laughs> so that's one thing I also tell my clients too is that I want people to know that this is normal. We all do it. It's not like you know if you're a coach or if you've gotten to a certain place that you're not going to settle in some area of your life. There's different phases that we go through based on what's going on in our life. And I do the same thing, too. I settle on certain things at certain times, and we can't get down on ourselves. It's just a fact of life, you know. And you'll settle again in the future and hopefully not stay in it. The, the key is to get yourself out of it. The key is to step out of that comfort zone and face the risk and face the fear which is the most important part, instead of recognizing that, you know, we all settle in our lives. You know, I, one of my favorite quotes, I don't and know, guys, this is not this week's quote, but one of my favorite quotes from somewhere says, you don't drown by falling, falling in the water, you drown by staying there. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I actually posted that on somebody's uh page today and it really it to me that's that should have been the quote of the week because that's a perfect stop settling quote you know definitely and people will get caught up mentally and and drown in a half inch of water because you know they refuse to turn over and get up or you know whatever and I mean, I've been there. I've been there. So that's one of the reasons why, like, I love just presenting people that can tell from their point of view and their experience in life 
about things I know I've dealt with. Because one of the things that made me stop selling was I had to come to the realization that I'm not the only one. I am not special. Right. The difference, you know, the difference between me and, and, and me settling and somebody who didn't settle was that they didn't settle. Exactly. So what is a sign that, what is like the, a sign that you see in your, in your clients and people you talk to and deal with? Like what is a sign that they settled? Like they may not realize it, but you have to bring it to them and say, look, this is a definite sign of you settling. Yeah, I think the number one sign is I'll ask my clients this one question. And I'll say, client, <laughs> when was the last time you felt happy? When was the last time you felt fulfilled? When was the last time you were extremely satisfied? And when I hear silence, I silence or I'll see tears or I'll just get this look that's like, I really cannot remember. And I think that's the number one sign to them. That might be a defining moment for them to say, I can't even remember the last time I was overjoyed. And I, I, I challenge them on that, you know. I don't know. Well, let me think about it. I really got to think about it. And not that it's absent from their mind. They're forgetful. It was yesterday, but they can't remember. It's that it's been so long that they've had a moment that they have to really think about it. Um, other, that's, I think that's the one sign. The other signs I see a lot are um, just not knowing who they are and describing themselves in relation to other people. So I get, you know, moms and wives and, you know, boyfriends and, you know, da- uh, sons and daughters that say, well, I'm, uh, I said, what do you do? Who are you? Why were you put on this earth? Well, I'm so-and-so's mom. I'm so-and-so's husband. I'm so-and-so's daughter. I'm so-and-so's son. Okay, but what, what are you here to do? Um... Be a son, right? Be, be, be somebody in relation to someone else. And so they're not even aware of, you know, they're so wrapped up in the role that they play, whether it's an employee, you know, like I said, a wife, a spouse, that they don't, they've lost themselves in that role rather than pursuing their purpose. And then I think the last thing is they just, they just don't have a good reason for why they do anything. <laughs> I said, well, why, why did you do that? Why, why did you pursue that, that choice or path or career or person? You know, I really, I just don't know. I don't have a good reason. I just, I don't know why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Not having that why is, is a very clear sign. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I mean, when you're coasting, sometimes you forget what day it is. <laughs> you're just doing the same thing. It's like that, you know, the definition of insanity. You're expecting a different result, but you're doing the same things over and over, and nothing is changing. Um, so you're kind of stuck in this cycle. Wow. One thing I thought about when you were talking about um, the roles when people introduce their self, we weren't born a role. We weren't born being somebody's mom, wife so on and so forth, but a lot of times we hear that in introductions because, you know, and it's like, who are you? Who who are you besides, uh, you know, like you said, I love how you put that, being attached to something. Right. You know, and I know with me, for the longest time in life, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't know, I didn't think I was asleep. I'll just say that. I kind of slept my first 19 years of life. Then I gave birth to my son at 20, and I was like, okay, so this is why I'm here. This is my purpose, was to give birth to my son who was going to do something great. And I was I was fine with that. And then as I got older and, and got to know me and got closer to to 30, which was, and this was all around the time that I, I lost weight. I 
stopped settling at that time. And I realized I was meant for something bigger, but what? And I think a lot of times life kind of happens. You kind of go on autopilot for a while, and a lot of people can relate to just being on autopilot because sometimes autopilot will get you through to the next day. Yeah. But I wasn't happy. I was happy being a mom and raising him, but I wasn't happy as a person. And, and I could look back on my life before I woke up. I could look back on my life and see where I settled in relationships, you know, where I should have stayed the 42%, but <laughs> then, you know, and um, or in their 42% or, or different things in life with jobs, people, those negative nouns, people, places, and things that you know aren't good, but you just settle because you're kind of on autopilot. It doesn't, it bothers you, but not enough to get off the nail, you know? Yeah. So Definitely. if I said, okay, Miss Stephanie, I want to live an extraordinary life. I want I want to be extraordinary. I want extraordinary to be my I want my middle name. I want to be known as Valencia <laughs> Extraordinary Griffin Wallace. So, what would you? How can people live an extraordinary life? Yeah, that's a great question, Miss Valencia Extraordinary Life. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, first, I always I would encourage you to figure out your why, and I a hundred percent believe that everybody is put here on the planet with certain gifts, skills, talents, a message, um, something that they're supposed to share, and that's your purpose. So, starting to figure that out is the very first step to living extraordinarily. You got to figure out why you're here and why you're doing the things that you're going to do. Um, along with your why, you have to know your values too, because one thing that won't change as you go through different phases of life or business or your relationship, your values are not going to change that much. Even though maybe the way you deliver your message or where you live or how you do what you do might change. So I encourage people to know their values so that as they're making decisions, those are the goalposts, that's the lens that you're seeing everything through. Does this fit my why? Does this, is this in alignment with my values? That's the very first inquiry. Should I be with this person? Should I pursue this path? Let me, let me um, depend on something stable. Too often we're, we're swayed by opinion and our feelings. So outside opinion, they might say, oh, yeah, girl, that, that's good for you. You should take it. You should be with her. You should be with him. And then we have a certain feeling which may come in in a mood today, <laughs> and then tomorrow they're different. So your why and your values are solid goalposts for you to base your decision-making on. The second thing I would figure out, you know, you want to live an extraordinary life. What does that mean to you? What is an extraordinary life to you? And I say to you because, again, only you have to live your life. <laughs> and we forget this somehow. We're making decisions that are based on other people. You have to know where you want to go. Then I, I always encourage people to figure out what's holding you back. We, we usually have the same holding patterns, the same limiting beliefs, the same thoughts that keep us in greatness. So figure out what those things are and address them. Address them head on. I love the way you said earlier that, um, you know, thinking that you are the only person going through this, when you think that, then you isolate yourself. <laughs> so now you're living yeah. in a bubble. It's just you. You, you feel terrible. You, you start to feel depressed and anxious, and you don't want to share. Even calling out that fear, saying it out loud, having fellowship with someone else and saying, hey, you know, I went through that exact same thing. Oh, you did? Okay, me too. How did you get through it? At least I know that, you know, someone else on the planet is going through this as well. 
And then my what the bulk of what I do is finding the ordinary ways to live extraordinarily. Love that. Love By um, can you hear me? Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you went out. Oh, people start to get overwhelmed. When you think, oh, live an extraordinary life, you think big, huge actions like, you know, quitting your job and starting the business that you love and, you know, divorcing and, you know, moving across the country and shaving your head or whatever. They think extreme. <laughs> they think big, right? Right? You got to move to Bali and become a and all this stuff. But really, the changes happen in the small, everyday things. So what are the small habits that can make a huge difference in your life? What are things that you need to address that are going to um, create a radical mind shift for you? And the last step is just once you figure out those things, having a system in place to encourage you to do those things and having people and a support system to hold you accountable for those things. So um, I it, it's a very accessible way to live extraordinarily. It's not overwhelming. It's not, you know, too daunting. It's, it's something that people can, anybody can do. So that's, that's, my, that's my advice to you. I, I love that. I love that. And me, I thought about, you know, this show had me thinking, and that's my my job, because I'm like, okay, if I'm thinking, other people are thinking, we're thinking together, mm -hmm. we can move some mountains. So part of my Valencia Extraordinary Griffin Wallace, one of the things I decided a, a couple of years ago, because um, I always said, you know, it's all nice and, and fun to get dressed up and be cute and do, you know, cute, you know, get just real, do cute stuff pretty stuff where you could be all pretty with your heels and stuff. But I wanted to do different things. So me and my husband is, is very a very interesting person, and he has done a lot of things. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do. So, But I had to get over some fears or at least mm -hmm. face my fears. So a couple of years ago, part of my extraordinary personality is I wanted to do some adventurous stuff. So we, we went to Tennessee a couple of years ago. I went hiking. I do not like nature. <laughs> I like to observe it, not be in it, but I hiked the state parks in Tennessee. We ziplined. I'm terrified of heights. I'm still terrified of heights. So sometimes you're not going to always conquer fear, but as long as you face it, yeah. it's good, you know. And uh, we rode horses, which I tell people all the time on TV, they're cute, they're beautiful in person, not the same experience, not for me. <laughs> so, um, and I just want to do, and I challenge people to live outside of the box. And so yeah. this weekend past, I went and I took some of my VIPs with me, and we went and we took an hour-long fencing class. Oh, fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. I want a sword for my birthday and for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, you know, getting out there, doing doing different things and challenging, challenging myself and challenging those around me. And I like just doing the things that, you know, people ask you, what you doing that for? I don't just because I want to. Or just because it's there, just because I woke up literally one day from a nap and decided I was going to fence and Googled it and found one place close by me where I could go fencing. The video is hilarious, but apparently I'm a natural-born <laughs> fencer. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. That is really so. Cool. It's, it's You got to – that is not scared to, to not – not being scared to step outside the box. It doesn't matter who else is doing it. I don't care if I would have went by myself, but I want to always challenge myself and not get comfortable with doing the same thing. You know, walking is fine and good and, you know, reading. I love reading and, you know, those are, you know, but that's ordinary. 
So for me to, to gain my extraordinary title and to really show what a boldness coach is, I have to go out there and do things like fencing. And and hopefully in August, in this month, I'm trying to find an archery class now. So I guess my extraordinary is wrapped up in adventures. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. So so what's what's your extraordinary? My extraordinary is stepping outside of my comfort zone and trying new things in my business. So. For a very long time, I was really focused on one kind of person, one kind of client. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that's very comfortable for me because I know my story. I know my message and my content. And so I would, you know, I, I, would, I did very well at that. <laughs> but coming to Portland has been a brand new experience. And I came into moving here with one idea of how my business would run. I said, yeah, I want to keep my same one-on-one clients. I would just, you know, I want to try this. I want to, I want to, but I, I was trying to keep the same exact business model. Here, business is done so differently. West Coast style, um, a lot of businesses here are small businesses. Um, and people here do business with people that they know. So I thought that my fancy marketing and my website would get me in front of the door, and the door wasn't even being open anywhere. <laughs> so I had to switch up my strategy. I had to step outside of my comfort zone, and I, that's why in the beginning I introduced myself as a business consultant because some of the same things that I work with my individual clients on, I work with whole teams to do. I work with um, executives to do. I work with, um, you know, maybe a branch of a small business to do. So just recently, that's been me stepping outside of my comfort zone and realizing I'm not changing who I am, not changing my values, not changing my why, still at the same why, but I'm just, my message is a little bit different. My audience is a little bit different. And I actually have more impact that way Rather than just having a one-on-one client, I can reach five people at a time, ten people at a time, twenty people at a time, and that's been really encouraging for me. But I had to abandon, you know, the one-on-one coaching model that I I thought I was going to come in to Portland with, um, which is okay. I'm I'm doing okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think that's another thing. We always well, we're so worried about the outcome. And honestly, we, we think in very binary terms. We're always like, you know, it's either black or white. It's A or B, door one or door two, and I'm really screwed if I pick door two, and I really should have picked door one. But my, my experience has been that it's usually none of the above, <laughs> right? We're all like plan C or, you know, door 52. Right. Or, you know, something else. Because there's something we cannot even have imagined in our minds. And when we step outside of our comfort zone, we can experience that. But we have to step outside in order to get there, <laughs> which is scary. scary. And even before that, I before moving to Portland, we were on track to move to Raleigh. I mean, Raleigh, North Carolina, we had our apartment picked out ready to pick up the keys, mentally preparing to live in North Carolina. And we got the call that Portland was the move. And I had to trust. That was a huge adjustment for me, stepping outside of my comfort zone. I'm originally from the Midwest and lived in D.C. for the past four or five years. So coming to Portland, the West Coast, lots of, you know, trees and greenery and um, to be frank, way less diversity <laughs> uh, was a huge adjustment for me. Um, and I, it, 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 it's still an adjustment, of course, but that's people, you know, even us coaches, even the people who are supposed to be enlightened, all these people, we all are the same. We have these phases that we go through depending on just where we are in our life. So, yeah, those are two recent examples of me <laughs> extremely stepping out of my comfort zone. Moving across the right. country was a pretty good move. 
I know moving is, I have what I like to call southern comfort. <laughs> so I have moved outside of Louisiana, but I've been in the south and never long. Now, I grew up, funny thing, I grew up in California, so sometimes I'm a little bit more Louisiana. Sometimes you'll get a, a touch of that Cali in my voice. It's, a, it's just a touch, not enough for anybody to notice, but it's a touch. But um, <laughs> And I always said once, I, once my son graduated high school, I was going to move. I mean, he graduated last year. and But I have this southern comfort where I – I want to stay in the in the South because I've been other places. I've been to, you know, when I went to New York because I always thought I wanted to move to New York. But first time I said, "Hey, how y'all doing?" Just because that's what we do here. The looks on my face let me know if I stayed in New York, I'd probably end up committed. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just it, but it's 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 that southern comfort that I need to work on stepping outside of my comfort zone at least for a period of time longer than, you know, a vacation or a speaking engagement. So I'm on that, on stepping out of my comfort zone in that way. So at this time, if anyone has any questions, comments, you want to tell us about you settling or not settling, please star six your phone, say hello, and go ahead with your question or comment. So while we wait to see if anyone has any questions or comments, um, I have learned a lot. I have learned, oh. uh, learned a, a lot. I'm, I'm going to earn that extraordinary title before <laughs> 2016 is over. So you guys hold me accountable to that. I might have the extra because <laughs> I'm always told I'm extra. <laughs> so I got to work on adding the the whole term. So, Stephanie, I know you said you have two um, two books out and working on a third. So um, if people want to know more about your books, get in touch with you, why don't you give, go ahead and give us your contact information and tell us what you have coming up and going on. Sure. Um, you, everything can be found on my site. Um, it's stephaniegostin.com, um, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-G-H-O-S-T-O-N, like ghoston.com. And there you will see um, the personal coaching services, if that's something that you're interested in, um, the business consulting services, if that's something you're interested in. And also, my two books um, are on sale there. The first one's called 20 Beautiful Women. Um, it's the third volume of that series. And the second one is called um, I Am Beautiful. It's the first one of that series. The third book that I'm working called the 42%. Well, that's the title as of today. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if that's um, But every Tuesday night, um, I host a blab on the 42%. We're always talking about issues that have to do with the 42%. So for the first half of the year, we ask two questions and explore the answers to those questions, which was, why are 42% of black women unmarried? And what, if anything, can be done about that statistic? And so we have different answers, like black women should date outside of their race. Religion is holding us back. Um, um, well, because of cultural standards and of beauty, black women are unmarried. So we explore different answers to those questions. For the second half of the year, we're just touching on issues that have to do with the 42%. So like last week, we... In the last couple of weeks we talked about is marriage an accomplishment? Um, <clears throat> is there is the concept of soulmates real? Is it a helpful concept for dating? Um, how to date as a single parent? So every Tuesday night um, at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, you can find me on blab.im. It's like a video platform. And we have guests and we have um, comments and it's a live stream. I would love for um, you guys to be involved in that as well. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my business 
uh, handle is Cultivated Sense, S-E-N-S-E. -E. Um, and I also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cultivated Sense. And then Instagram is Cultivated Sense Coaching. So I would love to connect with you. Yay. Make, make sure you post. I posted the website, but make sure you post everything. Um, yes. All your handles. I know I'm connected with you on several different platforms, and um, I'm excited. And I definitely want to get in on this blab. So, um, if you could post that or how to, you know, I know how to get on blab. But if there's like a link <laughs> or something, because that yeah. that's very interesting. We have we have ten minutes left, so a few five of these ten minutes at least. We're gonna to touch on this forty-two percent <laughs> because the, all the questions that you that you ask that you guys discuss, I'm like telling the answers in my head, in my head, in my head <laughs> with my with my own opinions, you know, um, my own point of view, and I definitely think um, with the forty-two percent, I think a, and I know. A lot of people, and I'm just talking about people that I know, they'll settle into that um, common thing, into that living, that shacking, as we say in the South. Um, they'll settle into that and won't require a, a marriage. So it's kind of like that old saying about, you know, buying the cow when you already get the milk and so on and so forth. But what's so funny, because I think about that too, I'm thinking about putting myself, thinking about my this, is that I did not plan to get married again. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to date. So technically, you know, I still would have been in that 42%. And but I knew I wasn't going anywhere, he wasn't going anywhere type thing. And, you know, just few things changed. We thought about my son brought it up and, <laughs> you know, yeah. and we really, you know, because I already felt like his wife and he already, you know, felt like my husband. We referred to I wore a wedding ring long before we even said I do. Wow. You know, I was committed to him. And so I wonder... Part of that forty two percent is like i'm I'm good with with this we don't need you know we don't need paper, we know the relationship we have, so on and so forth and in in fact, then when we said, okay, we're going to get married, just thinking about planning a wedding, I'm like, we are too do we really need to plan a wedding? It's not my first deal, <laughs> not his you know um his his family's in another state. So uh, we went through that, like almost got overwhelmed into not even having a wedding, and we literally decided the, at 11.30, and some of you guys know the story, we decided at like 11.30 um, one day that we were going to get married that day, and at 3.30 we was at the Justice of the Peace. Problem solved. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of flack afterwards, but hey, made my life easier. Wedding, <laughs> wedding done, you know? And... um. I know with just with me, when I was part of that 42%, it was like I really didn't desire marriage. And I, and I know part of that comes from what I've seen and experienced, and I kind of took it as truth of what marriage represented in a relationship falling apart in marriage. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So what do you think? What do you think about that, the 42%? Like if you had, and I'm sure it's more than one answer, but what do you think is like a defining factor or defining reason or whatever why that 42% exists? Yeah, so as part of the 42%, there's people in there that have no desire to get married, right? So you, you already talked about that. There's people that up until recently – could not legally get married. And then you also have people in the 42% who are not in the quote-unquote marrying age, right? So that's all women 18 up. Most, 
actually, I think the statistic is 50% of black women aged 18 to 24 are pursuing higher education. So the, in, in statistics, they're kind of counted out as people who are even thinking about marriage. So that leaves the people who are in the 42% that are not pursuing higher education, that can get legally married, and that want to get married. And so what I say to them is you will never be disappointed or regret pursuing your purpose. In pursuing your purpose, you will attract people into your life, platonic and romantic, that are supposed to be there. And your life will be full. I think one thing that I hear from some women in the 42% that want to be married is that they're missing something. Something's missing, and they're, they're saying that it's a husband. But really, you're, when you're pursuing your purpose, your life is full, even if you're not in a romantic relationship. So that's what the third book is about. It's about pursuing your purpose so that that's not even really a, a question because um, when you're pursuing your purpose, you're where you're supposed to be, and you feel secure about that. So I, we get a lot of people that, after speaking with us about the 42%, are like, yeah, why do I even want to get married in the first place? It's just something that, you know, my parents want for me or my friends. And they kind of turn the question around, which is like, I'm questioning why I said I wanted the things that I wanted. And what is it that I'm really searching for? What is it that I actually need? So that's my response to that to those questions. Love that, love that, and that right. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I and believe we, people. Go ahead. Oh, so we get people every week that you know they feel like they can solve it. Like, well, you know, all black women need to do is just do this. It's a very, very complicated thing, and and what I encourage members of the 42% to do and members that are not in the 42% to do is, um, is to think about what they can actually control. And there are some things that are on the outside that we can't control. And then I want to gently challenge women, women in the 42%, to figure out what's their role and where they are today. So, you know, I'm not saying it's all their fault. I'm not blaming the victim. And I, I, I honestly do believe that even if that 42% statistic was zero, we would have some other outside problems that we need to deal with. We got to deal with, you know, society's larger, larger society's view of black women and men. We got to deal with men, black men's attitudes towards women. We got to deal with, you know, the, the, the destruction of the black family. There's some other stuff we got to work on. So it's not just, it's not all on you, but there is work for us to do within the 42%. Hmm. Love that, love that. And I, I wonder what percentage of that 42% is just because they didn't, haven't seen a happy, healthy relationship where both people were fulfilled, you know? Yeah. yeah. Marriage is, is like... um. It's more in my in my family as we're coming up on two minutes. I'm gonna drop this, but we have more 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 unmarried than married people in 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 my family. You know, yeah. so not and it's not that they're not in in a relationship, but it's that whole marriage thing and what comes with that and. Very, very interesting. We'll definitely have to pick that up on a another Define You Wednesday. With that being said, I want to thank you so much, Ms. Stephanie, for enlightening us. I hope you guys have learned something about stop settling. Stop settling. Stop sitting on that nail. Ms. Stephanie's information will be posted on the How to Stop Settling page. And this week's quote, and I will post it as usual, this week's quote is from Nelson Mandela. 
There is no passion to be found in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. Mm. So you guys meditate on that. Post your comments on the page. Inbox me if you want to be our list part of the listener shout out. <laughs> with that being said, thank you so much, Miss Stephanie for connecting with us, and please post your information on the page, and I will see you guys next Wednesday, same time, same place.